0: Hello, and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another Overcast Day in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Dr. Ahmed Shibley, Managing Director of ETD Consulting. Ahmed, hello. Good afternoon, Matthew. Good afternoon. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, we might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to you? Well, I think for
1: me, leadership is really uh, a leader is someone who can um, uh, basically inspire others and build up teams and um, get the projects uh, done and completed. And especially in our area of um, research and development, uh, people, a leader should be able to inspire people to um, to solve problems, to innovate and develop new things. So I think that's what really leadership uh, means. Uh, and me. how do
0: you inspire um, your team?
1: Uh, well, first of all, you respect them, and just like you would be respect, you would like to be respected yourself. The second thing is, I think we all have, uh, in any team, uh, you know, different people have different weaknesses and strengths. Mm-hmm. So rather than emphasizing their Weaknesses, be critical of those. I think if you recognize their strengths and and try to nourish and um, their strengths and try to develop those particular aspects, um, then you can build up a good team. And uh, you know, if it's a team of maybe 10 12 people um, working on one particular uh, research project, then. Different people will have different strengths, and that can actually contribute to the uh, whole strength of the, of the team. Some people could be very good organizers, and the other could be good, good in terms of management of the, of the project. The others could be good in terms of um, technical work, and others could be good in terms of practical calculations um, and mathematical modeling. So you put all if, you know, if you can get a good team, put it together. And uh, emphasize and nourish their strengths, and um, and basically inspire them by your own hard work and your own stuff, and uh, I think uh, your own leadership qualities. Then, and, um, and and also, I think you have to really, um, um, you have to think that you you need to have a vision and goals, uh, what you want to achieve. But you also have to recognize that these are kind of highly educated people. Um, you know, they have been to, um, they have got a degree, a PhD, so, you know, there was some motivation for them to do that, to, in doing that. So they have some sort of life goals as well, and you help them achieve those life goals. Um, so that is, I think, to that's what leadership means.
0: So it's very important to develop the strengths within your staff. Um, now... When you do this, do you have ongoing professional development or a mentorship program, or is this uh, really on a case by case basis?
1: Well, it's really both. Um, you know, we we, we organize, um, for example, training and courses ourselves as well. We encourage our our um, um, our staff to go to training uh, courses and uh, attend international conferences and and meet other people, uh, meet uh, people who are leaders in the in the field um, and and uh, and basically not only learn new things but get new inspiration and new ideas. Mm. So uh, and also on job training as well. Um, yeah, I think our main sort of you know motive uh, the things that I normally tell my staff colleagues and staff is that um, um, every problem has a solution. And uh, we being an international consulting company, um, I mean sometimes you know we have a new staff and people say, "Well, this problem is, I think, it's a bit too difficult to, to solve." And um, what we, you know, myself and my other senior colleagues, what we say to them is that these people have come to us from Japan or Korea or wherever uh, to get help simply because the problem was difficult to solve, and that's what we are here to do to solve the difficult problem. Now, and, um, no problem, no problem, impossible to solve. And therefore, what we should try to do is to look for possible solutions. And uh, I think that's what we try to achieve.
0: Now, at ETD uh, Consulting, you have uh, quite a large uh, number of staff. Are there any unique challenges and, uh, in uh, managing that many people?
1: Uh, well, actually, um, I mean, I was, um, we, we use a lot of, sort of Consultants as well from um, around the world, um, mainly from Europe, but also perhaps we are the, uh, one of the few European companies which use uses quite a few self consultants from Japan. We have very good relationship with the uh, research organisations in Japan, with the universities, and with the with the industry, and we have sort of cultivated and built up this friendship with them. Japanese senior researchers who are the last probably thirty years or so, so um and it's really a question of, sort of inspiring not only the people who are work with you but um uh, sorry, not only your staff but all the consultants that we use uh, from around the world
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and uh, I know there is also a cultural problem as well uh, so we have to really recognize their cultures we have to respect their cultures and uh, not generally 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 disrespect them but not pretend to respect them but um, if you can do that then you build up a, a good rapport and good um um good sort um a relationship with these these people and uh, you work together as a team so that is what we do we we, we develop this um some of the research projects we developed we we call them group sponsored projects so they are basically groups. And uh, groups of industry and, and researchers, um, they get involved from uh, various countries of the of the world, and um, you know it might be GE from uh, USA, for example, General Electric from USA, or it might be Mitsubishi Heavy Industries, from Nagasaki in Japan, um, and one of maybe one of the Tohoku University in Sendai, in Japan, you know, and then. You basically bring all these these organizations together. You do a lot of work with Germans and the French uh, companies and the universities.
0: So teamwork is incredibly important. Is incredibly important within your industry, and uh, obviously uh, you're going to need to uh, at one point uh, refresh the workforce uh, in which you work. Um, So you're going to have uh, new, younger uh, people coming into the field every day. What is your advice? Uh, to uh, a young person looking to work in your field?
1: Well, um, I mean, young people, uh, first of all, it's really in our field, when you get a fresh graduate, it takes a couple of years to to train them to do the type of work that, that you're doing and um, to get more and more involved in research and development. And I think, again, the... Um, our advice to them is to um to uh face to sort of accept challenges and um to think of innovative innovative solutions to think out of both and to, um we we too often have the problem you know young graduates you when know, they come here and you know they when you give them a problem to solve um they always you know. Inevitably, not all of them, many of them come back and they say, well, this problem is too difficult, you know, there's this this problem, that problem. So I say to them, you know, can you think of some solution and come back with some sort of ideas for the solution and then we can sit together and discuss. So um, some of them, they come back with some good ideas and then we can have a team discussion. More senior people get involved with them. So I, I think this is how we we train them to to accept accept new challenges and to develop new um, uh, new equipment, new procedures, um, new codes, uh, and uh, new guidelines for um, various industrial sort of sectors.
0: So, in essence, persevere, don't give up. You will find the solution eventually.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, um, Ahmed, it, yeah, it's uh, you have to persist, and you have to, um, and we have to, we have have to have the courage and to and have to have vision of um, thinking that there the is a solution to every problem. Uh, it's not a, it's, you know, you don't say because nobody else has been doing, uh, has been able to do it, therefore this is problem is not solvable. There must be
0: well Ahmed unfortunately there is one problem that is unsolvable and that is that we are unfortunately out of time but we have to have you back on uh, the podcast soon uh, to let us know what ETD consulting is up to next Ahmed it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you and I very much looking forward to having you on the show again thank you so much Matthew thank you thank you that was Dr. Ahmed Chibi Managing Director of ETD Consulting. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Lord Blunkett.
3: Uh, We're joined uh, today by uh, David Blunkett, Lord Blunkett, former Home Secretary, former Education Secretary. David, thank you very much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Uh, It's always a pleasure, but uh, since we are talking around the theme of Leadership, it would be a remiss of me if we didn't start with the leadership election going on in the Labour Party. Apart from, I'm sure, your delight that a certain someone is
2: leaving a post, what are your thoughts on it so far? Well, I think the party membership have got to make a very clear decision. Uh, Are they in, in the stands watching or are they on the pitch playing? And if they want to play, then the two candidates that are in for the future are Lisa Nandy and Keir Starmer. I'm personally backing Lisa because I think she's a brave woman with a tremendous amount to give. She's got really good, positive ideas. I like them because they're about building from the community rather than command and control from the centre. They're about a new form of social democracy and socialism rather than trying to replicate a failed past. And she can reach out to people that others can't. So... I'm, I'm giving her my backing. I think Keir is very professional, mm. very able, and presents extremely well. And I, I hope that one of those two uh, actually come through in the election on the 4th of April. Uh, there has been a lot of criticism,
3: especially from uh, for uh, candidates a little further left um, than them, who've criticised even the last Labour uh, uh, government as being part of 40 years of Thatcherism.
2: Yes, I think it's really unfortunate Uh, particularly when new MPs come in, having seen large swathes of their colleagues lose their seat, uh, to roll up the 13 years of Labour government with everything that I'm so proud of. I mean, we we were not neoliberals or anything like it. We were able, in the first 10 years certainly, uh, which I played a part in, to be able to turn the economy around, to invest in health and education, to be able to transform people's aspirations and their hopes for the, the future, and that included ensuring people got the minimum wage, which we never had before, Sure Start to nurture youngsters from the most moment they were born, transformation in the quality of education. And all these things actually add up to helping people to improve and change their lives for the better. And anyone who thinks that's not good and that isn't a government to be proud of, needs to answer the question, what chivalet is it that you would want that would actually have done more to change those lives? I can think of two or three myself in terms mm. of uh, dramatically taking on uh, inequality, although half a million children were taken out of poverty in those years. I can think of being even tougher on crime, even though I was dubbed as one of the tougher home secretaries because the people that I cared about most were on the whole, not exclusively, but mainly the victims of crime. I can think about taking on the very, very rapidly growing transnational power of the big tech companies, which we still need to work through in terms of how we do that from a a single nation just off the coast of Europe Mm -hmm. and how we work internationally without getting caught up in wars we don't want to be involved in, but how, how are we international? in a way that ensures that we play our part in making a better life for humanity as a whole, rather than disengaging and becoming alien from the rest of the world. Those are big questions for the social democratic left, particularly with artificial intelligence and robotics changing the world of work forever, I think, in the next 20 years, Uh, an ageing population. Labour got 18% of the over 65 vote in the general election. Just 18%. It's staggeringly. It's extraordinary. Staggeringly bad. Um, And And climate change, which we all know is going to be either a big gain or a terrific political trauma. We've got to take people with us.
3: No matter uh, which political party it is, the changes that will occur in this decade especially will determine their future ideologies, certainly. And speaking of your time uh, as home section in government, you worked with so many different individuals of all political stripes and none at all. Is there someone, and on the theme of leadership, that stands out to you that embodies some of those qualities you described earlier? Yes,
2: I mean, I, it's on the theme of bottom up. It was some of the most inspiring uh, head teachers and classroom teachers who, in really, really difficult circumstances, were actually transforming the life chances of children by inspiring those children to want to learn, to, if you like, lighting a candle inside them. Uh, giving them a, a a window on the world, which created an inquiring mind and an understanding that the world was their oyster, that they could do things with support. My, my philosophy has always been mutuality and reciprocity. We, we need mutuality to support each other. We need reciprocity in terms of understanding that we don't just take, we, we give a lot as well. And I suppose that really comes down to... Uh, if you're prepared to do something for yourself, we're prepared to do something to help you. And that's fundamentally in education, but it is in all sorts of walks of life as well. So you can have innovation, you can have entrepreneurship and creativity in in business, you can have the way in which people turn things around for themselves. Small businesses have done that, the contribution to... Uh, new ways of doing things, of thinking differently about our economy. Those are all grit to the mill. Those are the things we need to do. And we can do them together. It's not that you're on the side of the devil if you're an entrepreneur or you're on the side of the angels if you work in public services. We we are Mm. dependent on each other.
3: Uh, You can't have one without the other. Um, And I think to coin it, um, uh, uh, extraordinary, ordinary people, and especially when it comes to giving your answer, David, to uh, teachers, to carers, people that honestly don't get the recognition they deserve on a day-to-day basis. And without them, half of society wouldn't function.
2: Completely. I I call it civil society, which functions even when government isn't functioning. It's it's the glue that holds things together. It's people working and living and having their being together and recognising that they are dependent on each other. I've obviously met incredibly inspiring leaders... In a different vein, I was very fortunate to have met Nelson Mandela three times. Uh, I met Bill Clinton a number of times, both of whom in very, very different ways were inspiring leaders. I've met people in leadership positions who couldn't take a decision to save their lives. Uh, Tony Blair famously said in his conference speech the year before he stood down as prime minister, conglomerating, I suppose you would call it plagiarising thoughts, ideas, ways forward from everyone around you. I often think that um, football managers wouldn't do too bad a job if they actually talked to the fans after the game.
3: Well, everyone knows, uh, David. You know you're a big Sheffield Wednesday fan. It I know.
2: It Can't be easy
3: having to hear the it, praise of Chris Wilder and Sheffield United every week after no, week. No,
2: it isn't. Although it's damn good for Sheffield, so I'm being a bit magnanimous at the moment. That's very about good about Sheffield United in the Premier League because it it it's change. It does change. It lifts the image of the city internationally. If you're not just because it's Sheffield United, but because if you're playing Liverpool uh, and you're playing Man City then that's a global audience you're immediately beamed across the world so that's good i i, I could cry sometimes we can we can beat uh, brighton premier league side in the fa cup at brighton we can beat leeds at leeds i was there when we beat them 2-0 in january and then you can and lose then 5-0, 5-0. 5-0 <laughs> at home to blackburn and half the fans were out of the ground by, by half-time. What, what would
3: a manager blanket say in this situation? I,
2: I would have asked myself a very simple question. What went wrong with motivating those players so that when they came out on the field, they walked instead of ran? They didn't have any of the passion they'd had the week before at Leeds. They showed no drive and incentive to take hold of the game. What, what went wrong with the same players who would played very well the week previously. And if you could answer that question, and there may have something may have happened, who knows? Something during the morning before the game started, something may have gone sour. You get the answer to that question and you then start to ensure that we never never do this again. Yeah,
3: well I'm a Chelsea fan so I'm beginning to feel your pain at the minute. Um, <laughs> but I would like to pick up on another point you just made actually, David, about choosing a strong team, people that compliment you. A lot of criticism that uh, Theresa May got as Prime Minister was that she tended not to pick perhaps the more ambitious, the more uh, 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 people uh, uh, ministers that might well challenge her. One of Boris Johnson's, for all his faults, uh, he has been said in the past, he's a man that picks people that are good at their briefs. Do you agree with that?
2: Assistant? Well, I'll reserve judgment on that until I see the outcome of the reshuffle, which as we record this podcast has not yet happened mm. and i imagine i i would be very surprised if he didn't have quite a brutal reshuffle not just to get people in who he likes but people who are going to be really sparky and able and clear at doing the job because you can have all the best ideas in the world you can pronounce on what you're going to do but if you haven't got leaders in those departments prepared to do it, if they're just toadies, by the way, and there is a tendency, a new Mm -hmm. Prime Minister, larger majority, got to be very careful that you don't pick people because you're receiving the echo of your own voice uh, when you're speaking to them. But get able people in. I I, I won't comment on some of the less able, but there are (laughs) clearly (laughs) in the Cabinet, as I speak at the moment, people who are really just not up to it. I mean, incidentally, anyone who won't be cross-examined by decent journalists on the BBC, They've changed their minds recently about mm. Sky <clears throat> isn't worth their salt. If but part of being cross-questioned is to demonstrate to yourself that you've got a grasp of your brief, that you believe in it, and that you can persuade people of it, and if you can't do that under real cross-examination, rather than sitting on the sofa. A, a, an easy morning television programme, get out of the business. You know, don't, don't do not it. Without a doubt.
3: Yeah. Uh, that's And also, I should add, that is how these uh, all stripes earn that respect in the first place.
2: But there is a question, isn't and there? And try and answer the questions. That's, that's <laughs> what I always try to answer the or questions. Or be very good at avoiding them, either way. Um, oh, well, the, the way of avoiding them is to take it head on and say, I'm, I'm not going to answer that question. Explain why.
3: Quite. Uh, <laughs> the... Um, And I think one of the great things about uh, the Leeds Council especially is that um, it takes and talks to people, again, from all different backgrounds, leading something very different. Whether it's a charity, whether it's a business, whether it's in politics. There comes points, though, and David, you must have experienced this, whether as leading Sheffield City Council or as Home Secretary. When people are looking at you for
2: leadership, where do you get your strength from? I think there's something inside all of us. There's a tenacity, there's a an ambition, there's a desire to get things done, to make a difference inside you. Whether you're in public service, the charities, or you're driving a business that actually says, this is why I get up in the morning. So you've got to have something internal to yourself. the The second is the satisfaction you get back because you do from seeing things change for the better You you can take pride without being egotistical. There's nothing wrong with being proud of what you do and to want to do it even better. And that's why you need both sharp minds around you. In my case, it was special advisors as, as well as ministers. I pretty well picked my ministers. Sometimes Tony asked me to take people who I was a little bit iffy about, and we had to meld people into the team. I was able to pick all my own special advisors, and that really did make a difference. Mm. But in, in the end, you've got to like what you're doing. I mean, the the, the people who are un, unhappy in their skin, they, they it's very difficult to perform if you're in the wrong business or in the wrong department of a business or if you're really hating teaching or in politics. You, you're just in the wrong department. I was very lucky because education... And employment were my first loves in terms of what I wanted to do, and I got the job for four years. I'd then come to the conclusion that there were really big challenges for us. It turned out even bigger than I expected with the attack on the World Trade Center Mm -hmm. three months after I became Home Secretary. But the big challenges of security, of reducing crime, of dealing with the development of positive citizenship, which also had a read over in terms of immigration, the kind of things that change people's lives either for the better or the worse and you don't get everything right that's the other thing you've got to recognize which is why being part of a broader team being able to take criticism but not always accept it (laughs) because otherwise you blow with the wind that that that's the the measure and i think if we can share those traits those experiences those different elements through the Leadership Council, if we can get people from very, very different leadership managerial roles and delivery roles to actually be able to share that experience, everyone will gain something from it because that dialogue will inform, it will avoid people reinventing the wheel, it will take people a lot further than the the niche, for good or ill, the niche that they're in at the moment. Um, David, uh, In the couple of minutes we have left,
3: um, I will be mean and put you on the spot and ask you for predictions perhaps in three things. What will happen in the Labour leadership contest? How will the next few months go for the government after Brexit, uh, well after we leave the European Union on the 31st of January? And where will Sheffield Wednesday finish in the league?
2: Lord above, I'm not. I'm not sure which is the most difficult of those <laughs> questions. I, I've already indicated where my support is for the the Labour leadership. If we take it at the end of January, 2020, Keir Starmer has clearly got a got off to a very very um, strong start. I think, however, it will be very much down to who can reach those parts of the. Labour Party membership that came in on the back of Jeremy Corbyn's election in 2015 to that post who can be persuaded that what they want to see and the change, the big changes they'd like to enact can only be brought about in any form if we win and we win back the people, the tragic loss of people on our side uh, mm. in December two thousand and nineteen uh, and that that's got to be Lisa nandi or, or Kia. on on the um the, the next few months, I think that the government will probably do quite well i i I think that there are real dangers ahead in just having eleven months to negotiate trade deals, especially with bellicose pronouncements about we're not going to have alignment as though alignment in itself is a bad thing when some of it will be very good. So I think there are dangers, but I think there's quite a bit of momentum going with the government at the moment, and that will be reflected in relationships, in doing deals in Europe and facing outwards to the rest of the world. Sheffield Wednesday, God help me. I mean, you know, how is it that two of the things that are most important to me, other than my family and loved ones, is football and, and politics... I think Sheffield Wednesday will be hard-pressed now to get into the playoffs. If we do, I think we could pull it off. But I am really reluctant.
3: And I think on that prediction, your reputation will be judged. Lord Blanket, thank you very much for joining us today. God bless you,
2: Jonathan.
0: This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye.